0: Hello everyone and welcome to A Biological Revolution. I'm Jeff McFadden. The Biological Revolution is a a plan, a complete and consistent plan, to uh, halt and reverse the effects of global warming on planet Earth. It is uh, radically different from the normal uh, plans, but I believe it to be the only one that would actually work. Did you ever just want to stick it to the man set yourself free. You know, we are very much captives and we know it. You know, money owns our government. Uh the Supreme Court said that it was okay. And money owns pretty much everything and you know, it's it's never been as obvious as it is now. But that new world order that all those uh, Trumpians are, are afraid of is here and they're, and they're praising it with their every breath. You know, it, we're just it, Trump is just a flunky in the world government. You know, Saudi Arabia is uh his above him and, and Putin's above him. You know, the people say, you know, the most powerful man in the world, the bullshit, you know, um, People pushing him around all the time, and, and everybody knows it. And the reason they can do it is because they're richer than he is. And the reason they're richer than he is is because he's, the, he's running this debtor nation. You know, they could all just turn us off in a heartbeat. We're, we're totally enslaved. And what we're enslaved to is petroleum. You know, you can't do anything in your life without petroleum. You know, if you want to go someplace, petroleum is involved. I'm recording this, and petroleum is involved. Uh, you know, even if the even if the uh, power plant that that powers the the uh, 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 tower down here that my cell phone's hooked to is a coal power plant, and it is. Uh, it was a diesel train that brought the coal. You know, you can't do anything in the world today, in the modern world, without paying money to somebody who sells petroleum. And I mean every step. They could bring us to a screeching halt, except, of course, they have no reason to because we're all paying them money. So what they want to do is keep us rolling along. And the only people in the country who don't do that are the Plain Peoples, you know, the Amish and... And there's several other smaller, less well-known uh, religious uh, sects that that still use animals in the United States, um, and I'm going to talk about them one day. But today's not the day. Um, we all we have we have two things without which we cannot live. We cannot live without electricity, and we cannot live without uh, petroleum. And uh, I mean, literally, every time either one of those is cut off, people die in large numbers. You know, that's that's what happened in Puerto Rico. You know, it's be it what we did, what the United States did to a piece of itself, to Puerto Rico, was a horror of of world class. But the way they did it was they refused to fix the electricity and the water. And the water runs on electricity, and that's how—that's what killed those three thousand people. You know, when the storm went over the island, the storm itself, the wind, and the flying debris and all the crap killed about sixty-five people. And that's what violent storms do. Uh, we've made—we've made them more violent. You know, that's—that's that's unfortunate, but it's the way we have it right now. We can't stop it today. We can stop it, but not today. But the whole rest of the 3,000 died because, because Trump off wouldn't send any money or organization over there to get the electricity back up and the fuel supply back up and the water running again. And they all run on electricity. At the bottom of the whole thing is electricity. And there's almost nothing worse to be than a citizen of a nation that depends on electricity where the service is lousy. And there's lots of those in the world. And this is all better because it's better. But what it really is, is it's better because it enables the rest of the system we live in. And my contention is that the system we live in is really not better. It's just everybody's got their heads down and they're at a dead run running through it, trying to keep up, trying to pay their bills, trying to pay off their college, trying to pay off everything. And they uh haven't got time to think about it all being one thing, and it's not the guys who own the college that made your debt so bad. it's the guys who own the petroleum, okay all the money in the whole world it spins through the hands of the petroleum dealers and that's that's not an exaggeration, it's not hysteria it is it is an observation of what you can see out there. You know, whatever you can show me that doesn't have any petroleum in its in its production cycle, you can take that out. But pretty much we run on petroleum. Now, I'm over here, this lunatic, and I'm advocating that we turn our backs on it and we walk away. Somebody said to me on Twitter today, and, and it's somebody I like, it's a friend, and I agree with this. She said, she said what would happen if uh, people just bought what they had to have? and nothing else we could we could pretty much put them in their place and she's right but what if we didn't have to have petroleum what if you could live your life and you didn't need to pay anybody for petroleum it that's that that's a big piece of every every check you write everything you do all the money you spend you know, I mean, I went out here the other day and I spent a hundred and twenty bucks on gasoline to mow my property, and that will not mow my property for the whole summer. My property's twenty-five acres plus. I take care of another ten that belongs to a group I volunteer for, and I take care of part of another forty that I own from a previous lifetime. So I mow a lot, you know. Um, and if you own grassland. You have to manage it in some fashion. You have to either mow it, or graze it, or do something. Um, and the what happened here, you know, before the white people got here, is, is the buffalo managed it, and the Indians helped. But the buffalo rolled through here, you know, and the elk rolled through here, and they grazed and browsed, and uh, they maintained this, this biome where I am, as a savanna where we had big grasslands with lots of big trees dotted around in them and incredible quantities of life. That was that was what we found, and now we've got it to the point where most of us live in these little enclaves where we there you know most Americans would be hard pressed to walk within a day to water, they'd feel safe to drink right off the ground. Because most Americans live in cities, and the areas immediately around cities are mostly just violently poisonous. You know, like the, you can drive down 435 in Kansas City down when you get close to the Missouri River and you drive through this miasma of the smell of the shit of a million people Uh, being, quote, treated, unquote, in huge vats. And you know how you make the shit of a million people not stink? Yeah, me neither. Neither does anybody else. Wherever you put the shit of a million people, it stinks. And so that's what we got. We got the shit of a million people down there. And that's because we're uh, making it clean, because we can't have bacteria, because bacteria might make us sick because we're going to poison the water we drink. And we don't have the sense to manage our output in any way except by destroying the world. We have this whole complicated thing we've built where petroleum and electricity move the products on which we rely. And then most of the country can't be uh, economically usable except for the production of of, uh, uh, annual grains. And so almost all the people have to live in cities because they went to the cities because the jobs were there. And the jobs, of course, the reason that everybody's so desperate for jobs is because what was automation designed for? What was the first industrial machine designed for and who objected to its design? It was designed to put weavers out of work, and weavers objected to its design. And they're more or less laughed at in American society as Luddites, the people who were wrong. And I tell you that the Luddites were right. And those of us who fell for the uh, power loom were wrong. Because the people who worked on the power loom were enslaved. The guy who owned it could single-handedly Make them all hungry the same day just by saying, yeah, I think I'll lock, in, lock this place for a week because you guys aren't working hard enough. It was, and it was not run on petroleum, it was run on coal. But we were on our way to petroleum, it was run on fossil fuels. If we lived in a Biologically powered, biological scale, biological speed society, we wouldn't have to give those people any money. We don't have to get their permission. One family at a time, one house at a time. People can say, no, I'm not going to use any more petroleum and figure out a way to get around it. A lot of people in the city absolutely cannot do that today. Because especially in suburbs, they literally cannot walk or ride a bicycle to uh, get the things they have to have to live. I mean, you have to be able to get food, you have to be able to uh, get money, you have to be able to get water, you have to be able to get shelter, and... in suburbs, you know, in suburbs, it's too dangerous to, it's almost too dangerous to walk. It's way too dangerous to ride a bicycle. People say bicycles are dangerous. No, 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 bicycles are not dangerous. You can put, you can cover every city in the United States with bicycles and almost, just kill almost nobody, you know. Cars are dangerous, and they're more dangerous if you're on a bicycle, but, you know, if you're in, in another car, you know, 35,000 of you are going to get killed this year. And it's never mentioned because the death number is so much fancier, but, you know, 100,000 of you are going to get, and maybe me, you know, all of us are going to get maimed this year in a way that we will never get over. We will be severely enough injured in a car wreck that we will never get well. We'll lose a, a leg or an arm or we'll wind up in a wheelchair And those are the ones who lived. We only talk about the 35,000 who died. So, you know, we have this death thing out here. We just... And all of it together enslaves us to the guy, the people who sell the petroleum. And I tried the other day to figure out who all that was, you know, doing some Googling around and stuff. And it's really hard to tell. Marathon Oil Company owns more refineries in the United States than anybody else. Um I found that out and for all I know it was yesterday, it could be out of date by now. Um we know that Saudi Arabia owns a huge amount of petroleum uh and sells it and that's those those you know that's the people who killed Khashoggi, and we we can't you know what are we going to do? Okay, so they killed one of our riders, but we got to have their oil. You know, we couldn't live without their oil, so I mean, they got us over a barrel big time. And we talk about our national defense, but it's, oil's wrapped up in all of it. You know, if we didn't have to buy oil, and everybody says, well, we can do that with solar panels, and we can do that with, with wind generators, and we, how do those things get made? You know, you make them out of oil. You go out here and you burn oil to get the energy to make them, and you fracture oil into all these different weird chemicals to get the chemicals to put on them, to get the chemicals to make them out of. You know, those windmills, those, those, you ever see one of those blades going down the road? It takes a special semi trailer truck to haul these blades. It's way longer than a regular truck, and it's, 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 the blade is the frame, you know. They got the front wheels clamped to the blade, and they got the back wheels clamped to the blade in their web back there. And the blade is the frame of, the, of what's hauling it, and these big long semi-trailer trucks. You see them up north on on uh, Highway Twenty Nine up in the Dakotas, um, and uh, those things are made out of fiberglass. Okay, well, fiberglass is is actually uh, plastic reinforced glass, you know, uh, and the plastic is all made out of petroleum, so all those humongous big blades are all made of, those are made out of the shit that catches fire in Houston, and we all bellyache, you know, look at the terrible corporations, they have six fires a month, they have six emergencies a month in Houston, of course they do, that's how you make that stuff. What It's all made out of oil. Most of it is made out of highly processed oil in which huge amounts of energy have been put into into making its its, uh, little molecules bind themselves together in ways that they didn't originally want to and be epoxies. And, you know, when you make an epoxy if you if you make epoxy in a, in a plastic cup and just and you don't use all of it and let it set up it'll melt the cup i mean it puts out so much heat when it when it sets up that's that's the energy from the oil that's being freed in the process it's called an exothermic reaction to the the process of bonding all those molecules together puts out uh heat energy and that's uh, all the stuff that we think is going to save us, the way we're going to save ourselves is we're going to rapidly make it worse as fast as we can under the promise that the stuff we're making, making it worse, will make it better. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but follow it back. That's exactly what we're doing. We know for sure For sure, it's just a matter of public record that the amount of carbon emissions are going up. It's a matter of public record that the production of clean energy is going up. That we're making more solar panels and we're making more windmills and we're siting more windmills. There is no proven connection between those two facts, but those two things are both facts and they both exist out there in the world around you, and I really don't care if they're connected together or not. The fact that they exist in the same reality is good enough for me. If people start parking their cars and riding bicycles, parking their cars and walking, parking their cars and getting a team of donkeys, parking their cars and getting a long-legged uh. Uh, buggy horse. If people started doing those things and just said, we're not buying your poison anymore, we could set ourselves free. They don't, they own us because they own the necessities of our life. I have a refrigerator and a freezer here. All the food that I get, the way it is processed before I get it, if I don't refrigerate it or freeze it, it rots. Okay. We have a food system that's based on petroleum. I mean now I have grapes in my refrigerator. They came from either California or Chile. Okay. Um there's petroleum in my refrigerator. There's petroleum running my refrigerator. It's electric but it runs on coal from the same power plant down there at Sibley, Missouri, and that coal runs on, it. That the coal that burns there is brought there by Mr. Peabody's coal train, and it runs on diesel electric, so it's diesel. So it's, you know, the whole thing is, is built on oil. If the oil went away, we would come to a screeching halt, and we wouldn't have anything to do about it. We couldn't feed ourselves, we couldn't get water. To do this is going to be really hard. This is not like, oh, I'll just go buy a horse. I went out and bought a team of horses in about 1988 and tried to run my farm on them, and I found out something that most people don't know, which is that's a lot harder than it looks. You have to know a lot. You have to be able to think up a lot of things. You have to be able to figure out how best to use the resources you have available to you. And I didn't know then about permaculture, about restoration farming, I didn't know that I was doing... I was following a mistake made 6,000 years ago. And we all are. We are following a mistake made 6,000 years ago. They called it the Agricultural Revolution. They thought it was so wonderful they started a book. And they said the world was just created in a week. And, of course, that week was the week between when... Humans spent somewhere between three million and a hundred and forty thousand years wandering around the Earth, eating uh, the sweet-tasting Earth, and, and growing strong and handsome, and leaving behind long-legged corpses, long-legged skeletons, and leaving behind strong, healthy, big human beings. And then we invented uh, annual grass agriculture. And, immediately started to get smaller and sicklier, but we got many. And we said, look, because we are many, this system must work. It gave us many when before we were few. No, what gave us many was we kept having babies and not as many of us were dying, and so that's how populations work. Population dynamics works that way. But we forgot that everything on the world was evolved there for us to eat. We evolved with it. We have a food system which is based on grass seeds, but we could have a food system which is based on tree seeds and vine seeds just the same. They're all plants. They all make seeds, and we call some of the seeds fruits, and we call some of the seeds grains, and and we call some of the bodies of the plants vegetables, and we eat those too. And we have animals who can eat the grass. And then we can eat them. But at the beginning, the two things we have to do is slow down and catch our breath. And start to think. That was three. And instead of chasing the endless it's just out-of-reach thing that is going to solve global warming and solve poverty and solve uh, terrorism and solve all these problems. We need to slow down. We need to spread out. This Most of this planet is edible. I mean, I read yesterday that 38% of planet Earth is agricultural land and a lot of that, when they say agricultural land to now, they mean industrial annual agriculture and industrial uh, uh, animal agriculture. Those are the only two kinds of agriculture that we recognize uh, on a broad scale. And a long time ago uh, people began to look around and say, this world is actually capable of feeding us better than we're eating now. I mean, we're not feeding the world very well. I mention that from time to time. This is all wrapped up. The two things are together. The the annual annual agriculture and the big hurry that the petroleum supports are all the same thing, and we can't be free as long as we give our money to them every day. The reason the Koch brothers are so rich, and the reason that they don't care if you boycott one of their companies or not. You know, I've seen things on on Twitter where you know here's here's a here's fifty of the companies that the Coke brothers own, and and uh, boycott these and show that'll show them har har. It, you know they made money on you reading that their fortune's based in petroleum the rest of it's all just pocket changing greed you know you could you could uh, boycott every company they've got and they'd hardly know the difference you know plus they're so rich that they only need money to have power and the petroleum gives them all the power they could ever possibly have but if the petroleum is the price we pay for going this fast and and i understand the 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 contention that we can do this all with electric cars and with these these things which will not emit carbon but as i remind you so often carbon is only part of the problem the extinction is the, the mass extinction is huge And the the land of the planet, the 38% of the planet that is agricultural land is essentially not helping at all to solve our carbon problem. And the only thing that can possibly take up all this carbon is living things. And we could cover the agricultural world with life with perennial things that don't require that that the ground be dead 8 months of the year and rushing like crazy to make food with poison squirted into it and poison squirted on it and poison squirted around it the other four uh that's not it's absurd and the idea the, the the idea that we're going to solve all our problems without slowing extinction without sh- 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 i'm just lost I'm rambling um, but it all comes back to they they're not going to tell you this is a good idea because they're making money this way this is not a a a uh, 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 Theory. This is not a, a a conspiracy theory. I don't think they're conspiring. They're all trying to to beat each other out of all the money, but they have in common the rules of the game they are playing, and those rules do not help us. Uh, every time a corn farm turns into a permaculture farm another combine gets its wings. And another combine manufacturer loses a future customer. And the people who sell the gasoline and the diesel oil to run the combine lose a future customer. And those things are as big as small town city halls marching through the the, uh, fields munching their corn. They consume a humongous quantity of petroleum. And everything that ever happened on that field happened on petroleum. The, the general view that we have of life and of our options and of our choices and of the possibilities open to us is largely defined by the people who can afford to spread their message the widest. They have written, you know, that Powell, Lewis F. Powell wrote, in, in no uncertain terms, we've got to get our message out. And then he went on the Supreme Court and he helped make the decision that said money is speech. So now we can take our money and we can flood the entire information sphere of the world, of the globe, with a unified general message the the you know it the view of a world in which the automobile is inevitable and the jet plane is inevitable and the electric everything is inevitable and the only other option is to be naked savages in mud huts with dying at the age of 14 but that's absurd Go around you, go visit an Amish community someplace and just sit around and watch all the little old grizzled gray people who come bobbling in. And don't tell me about how terrible the Amish are because this is not about their religion. It's about the obvious fact that their health is good, their biggest health problem as a group is that they're so inbred that they have genetic problems. There's a lot of dwarfism and there's, you know, other problems. Well, that's, yeah, that's the, the curse of being human. Um, but they're not unhappy. They're, they're not sickly. They're not dying young. When people died at 40 because we didn't have penicillin, when the average was 40, because we didn't have penicillin. And people you hear see all the time, why a 40-year-old man was an old man. That's baloney. Go read about the death of of, uh, of, uh, Henry David Thoreau. He died in his 40s, and all his friends mourned how young he died. You know, more people died young. That didn't make them old. That meant they died young. You know, Thomas Jefferson was... 78 or something all of those guys all the all the founding fathers or most of them died up in their late 70s and 80s you know they they were old men the same time of life that that people now are old men okay so they were dying at 78 and now we can keep them alive to 90 and the extra 12 years is a mixed blessing my mother said to me when she was about 92 She said, I sometimes think they want every one of us to live long enough to have Alzheimer's before we die. And she was right. You know, the last few years of many lives do not appeal to me. I'm 72 and I'm pretty rickety, but I'm still hoping to stay upright and moving and die all at once and be done. I don't want to spend my last... 12 years riding ambulances to and from hospitals. I don't see any point. Um, But if we're to set ourselves free, we have to set ourselves free from petroleum. There is no other way. There is no other possibility. That fluid is a chokehold, and it will always be a chokehold it is a source of death and it will always be a source of death i did a long tweet the other day thread about poison water and how everything we do poisons the water and that was true and and if you follow me on twitter at at, at homemade guitars you might go try to find it it was i liked it i didn't it wasn't a big hit but i liked it We poison the water, we poison the land. The United States is now a net petroleum exporter, I'm told, or something. Where I don't know what the magic is. But you know how we do that? We force poison into the earth at very high pressure. And that poison is at such a high pressure that it causes the rocks to disintegrate, the soft rocks. And there's oil in amongst the soft rocks. And when they disintegrate and the pressure of all this poison squeezes the oil out of the earth, like squeezing a pimple and getting pus out of it, and we sell that oil and we leave the poison in the rocks. And we say, this is necessary. And I say to you, This is utter madness. They're putting poison in the world you live on. And they're leaving it there. And they're charging you for it. And we're saying, oh good, let's do this. It makes us modern. It makes us developed. It makes us superior. And it's like, it also makes us walking on land full of poison. And... We are made out of that land. I say it every time I talk. I say it every time I write. We are made, physically made, of this earth. Our bodies did not come from our parents. Our bodies did not come from God on high who created us in his image. Our bodies came one cell at a time, one chemical at a time, one mineral at a time, one gas at a time, one drop of water at a time, off the earth. And we consolidated them, the f- life within us consolidated that earth into this self, which is not less than a miracle. So yes, I believe in miracles, but I don't see Any possible justification for saying to all the rest of the animals and all the rest of the humans that are ever born, ever born, you have to make your body out of poison. Where do we get off doing this? How do we think that this is going to be okay? How do we think that making solar panels and windmills is going to make this okay? Because we're making the solar panels and we're making the windmills out of the poison they're squirting in the earth to squeeze the oil out. That's where we're getting them. That's not going to solve the problem. And it's never going to set us free because it's always going to take a huge factory and a huge amount of capital and a huge amount of technology to make those things And it's going to take a huge factory and a huge amount of capital and a huge amount of technology to ship those things around the world. And I don't care what you call the people who control that capital, that energy, and that technology. I don't care whether you call them capitalists or whether you call them communists or whether you call them anti-disestablishmentarianists, whatever you call them, whoever controls all that stuff is going to have more power than a human being can have and retain the necessary humanity to not screw his brothers and sisters. Nobody can own the source of all the donkeys and horses. Nobody can even own the source of all the bicycles because they're too easy to make. You can make bicycles, you know, in a, in a factory in your backyard with, with your brother and, and the guy next door. You can't make them very fast, but you can make them, and you can sell them. And if the people around you have made a decision that they're not going to drive cars anymore, they're not going to fly on airplanes anymore, They're going to try as fast as they can, as hard as they can, to find a way to store their food that doesn't require refrigeration and to find a way to obtain water that doesn't require electricity. Do you know how the water comes out of your pipes? They take electric pumps and they pump it up into towers and and reservoirs that are up on hilltops. And once it's up in that tower, the gravity pushes it out of your pipes, the weight of the water. It's called head. And they just stack the water up real tall. And the way they stack it up is with the electric pumps. And the way they run those electric pumps is with fossil fuels. You can't even get your drinking water without fossil fuels. And neither can I. I mean, I'm not pointing fingers. Where We are out here. We're on something that's called rural water, which, which people in the country call city water, which means they took the pressurized water system and they took it around the countryside because we're putting so much nitrogen fertilizer on the land that the water kills babies. The 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 uh, uh, well on on my old farm where I used to live killed a baby, uh, and it was because there was so much nitrogen in the water that the baby couldn't prop- properly uh, get oxygen, and it died. And that nitrogen was nitrogen fertilizer. Oh no it wasn't poison, it was fertilizer. it makes things grow it's good. We have to get out of this death spiral you know the we can we have to change our food and we have to change our transportation. We have to change our power. I own among my tools I own a treadle operated uh, uh, uh scroll saw. Scroll saws are people things that people use to make f- fancy little carved wood things. You see, you know, scroll saw artwork and things like this. And the best electric scroll saws have a foot pedal that lets you control the speed so that as you work in a straight line you can go zip zip and when you're and when you're uh getting real close to a corner you can slow way down, and watch real close what you're doing and fudge up to it. The very best, most expensive electric ones have that. That's an inherent part of my treadle-operated one. And you don't even have to think about it. You don't have to learn to work the pedal or anything. Your foot's running this treadle, and it's as you get closer, your foot just slows down, and you go, well, let's see, right there. And then you get to the next line, and you go zip, 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 trip, 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 trip with your foot. And... It's 100% me-powered. It's the best scroll saw I own. Not the only one. I got an electric one. Because sometimes I want to cut hardwood, you know, a long way. And, yeah, the, the electric one will will cut, uh, you know, a, a six-inch cut through, through hardwood a lot faster than the treadle one will. But if I want to do fine work, the treadle one's the best one I own. And we can do all of these things. We... I'm not proposing that humanity become crude and, and have no fine things and no sweet things. You know, Notre Dame just burned, and, and the whole world was in shock. They didn't build Notre Dame with power tools. You know, you can do the finest work that humans can do and do it all, with our bodies and our animals. Now, the urge to drive, to enslave people, to make great and wonderful things, to make pyramids for you, that's a separate problem. We're still doing it. So I don't approve of that. I don't think we should do it. But that too was rooted on centralized control of a resource you had to have to live. And that resource was annual grains. Anytime there is centralized control of a resource you have to have to live, you're not free. Whoever can control that resource can control your life. They can force you to work for them. They can force you. They can take your life away from you. And the world, you know, this place, is, is a little farm, but it's not a suburban yard. And this place should quite easily be able to support us. If I had known when I was 50 and started building permaculture on this property, it could be feeding me already. That's 22 years ago I was 50. And so it could be feeding me already. And... uh, Yes, it's good to be able to participate in the economy, and we have to. We have to be able to pay taxes, you know, taxes, death and taxes. But we don't have to need so much cash. Donkeys run on grass. I I could run this farm completely on donkey power and never have to buy any fuel. I don't have the skill. But people do have the skill, and we have to find them, and we have to learn from them. I'm working in that direction as fast as I can, but it's not as easy as you might think. You know, these animals, the the work animals of humankind, will work willingly for people, and do, and have. Work without being beaten, work without being forced, work without being threatened. Donkeys don't like to be hurt, and donkeys don't like to be threatened. And really, if you want to work with donkeys, the best thing you can do is just get them to want to work for you, to work willingly for you. You're feeding them. You have that choke point. Yes, you're feeding them. um, You're caring for them, and you're working for them. But it requires a lot of knowledge. You have to know how the harness works. You have to know how the animal-drawn machinery works. You have to. People continue to develop. I'm looking at a, at a, at a mower that's made for one horse. If I can get two donkeys who are sound, and get them broke to where they can work right, and get this all done, then I'll buy one of these sixty-one hundred dollar mowers and I'll mow this property, without putting gasoline in it. And no, I won't get ahead of it in money, but I will get ahead of it because the mower will be a one-time capital investment, and it'll be done. And then I won't have to go up to this gas station. I go up to this gas station with my, my little tractor and a trailer. And the trailer's full of gas cans. And I go up there and I get a trailer full of gas cans and I bring them back home and they stink and they're dangerous and I put them in my building. And that means I can't weld in my building because if I weld in my building with all those gas cans, I could set the place on fire in a heartbeat. And fortunately, the building's wide open and the wind blows through. it, so. Could be a lot worse, but that's not necessary for me to mow this farm. I could maintain this whole farm with with two good broke donkeys and a good mowing machine, sickle bar mower. And it's a matter of knowledge, and we we pat ourselves on the back. We say to ourselves, "We are the knowledge people." and you hear me brag on that all the time we have no idea what we've forgotten do you have any idea how bad it'd be if we lose the ability to sail an ocean going square rigger and uh and or an ocean going uh fore and aft rigger for that matter and suddenly run out of petroleum you know everything that comes from overseas comes on on bunker oil i mean in bunker oil you people talk about coal bunker oil oil's not much better than coal it's not much better than tar it's what uh uh diesel ships run on and that when these ships have 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 a wreck even if they're not a an oil tanker you know well it leaked 55,000 gallons of bunker oil well that was just the fuel to get it across the, the sea and yes i'll admit it's a big boat but people were going back and forth across those oceans under sail and not putting not requiring any bunker oil and they were trading the things that they needed to trade we're sending these things back and forth across the ocean and mostly they're full of annual grains we're shipping our our topsoil overseas, or they're full of junk, just junk, ticky tacky stuff to stuff to own for a little while and then put in the dump. And most of the crap in society is just junk. You know, I go to the Walmart here in town, and and it's just junk. There's a whole building full of junk for people to buy. And take home, and we said, well, yes, but you know, we have we have cheap food, but with our system, we have cheap food, and we have you know we have we have consumer goods are cheap. People like this cheap. How if stuff is so cheap, how come everybody's so far in debt? Doesn't cheap mean you can afford it with you with with your income? I mean, I don't care what the numbers printed on the label is. I want to know. You know, can I work? Can I work all week and afford everything I need? If I have to borrow money to get the stuff I need, then no, it's not cheap. I can't afford it. I have to borrow money to buy it. I don't, but I live a real small life, and uh, I, you know, my biggest expense is gasoline, and I buy that so I can drive up to the city and teach, and so I can drive up to the city and play music and so I can drive to the other nearby city and play music and so I can drive 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 to get all this crap if I lived in a community which was of a biological scale then I wouldn't have to drive so far to do all those things the distances came second the cars came first When the cars were invented, things were not so far apart because there weren't any cars and everybody could get everything they needed either on foot or by driving an animal. That's how the whole world worked. There weren't any cars. There was no other way to get there. Now, we had invented trains so we could get across the country. I have mixed feelings about trains. Trains are pretty cool. I like trains. And I could see... A society where you maintained a rail system and where you tolerated that fuel requirement and where just everything local was biological. I don't know. I can't see the future. I'm feeling my way through this. I'm trying to think of how we can do the things that we need to do in order to live on a habitable world. We can't continue. To spray poison gas into the air, to spray to squirt poisons into the ground. Virtually everything we manufacture has at least one toxic byproduct. There's almost nothing we make that isn't killing something. We need to only make what we must have. We need to find ways to be musicians and to be artists without all this death. It's doable. We can power we we can power machines with donkeys. I I tell this story from time to time. I was down in Tennessee and I was visiting an extremely quote conservative unquote horse-drawn community. And I had gone there on purpose to visit this community and observe it at work. And the core of it was a religious community. These particular people called themselves Mennonites. Um, They were the most horse-drawn biological community I've ever been in in my life. And they had attracted a uh, a periphery of people like me, of hangers-on, who wanted to live there In a biological lifestyle and only have a horse and buggy and do all their. But we didn't, they didn't know about permaculture or restoration agriculture, which I only found out about this last week, and I mean, I'm like a a kid with a new toy. But we can do things with this food system that we can never do with the old one, with, you know, plowing with horses so you can seed annual grains is better than plowing with with 1,000-horsepower tractors so you can seed annual grains because you can't plow a 6,000-acre field. There are 6,000-acre fields in this country of annual grains. Now, 640 acres is one square mile. So 6,000 acres is almost 10 square miles. We're talking about a field two miles wide and five miles long. Plowed dead. No tree lines, no brush lines, no quail, no deer, no nothing. Dead. And it can be an organic field, but it's still dead. And it's not taking any carbon out of the air. And it's a big spot of death. And instead of that, we can have farms made out of trees and shrubs and vines and grass. And we can feed ourselves all the carbohydrates we need and all the uh, protein we need and all the fats and oils we need. Only we'll do it with uh, uh chestnuts instead of corn. It's a different seed. We're living on a seed. We're living almost entirely on about three seeds. You know, corn, beans and rice and wheat. So make it four, okay? And the corn, the wheat and the rice are all grass annual grasses and the beans we're eating are all annual beans and we're killing the earth over and over again every year so that we can plant these annuals let them grow one season harvest them keep the earth dead and bare in preparation of next year we're doing it with petroleum so we can do it miles long and miles wide in our cities, we're getting in our petroleum cars and we're driving to wherever we want to be. And we have, we have come to the conclusion that all this waste motion is somehow superior. That somehow for a person to get in a car and drive 10 miles across L.A. to see his lawyer is superior than a person walking out the front door and getting in a horse drawn cab and going nine blocks to see his lawyer but it's not and the only reason the lawyer is so far away is because of the car again the cars came before the distances the cars created the distances the cars didn't move the cities around, didn't say that didn't make it so far from Washington D.C. to Philadelphia. But the cars created the distances within the cities, and the cars created the distances within our lives. because if nobody had ever invented a tool that would burn petroleum and let you get 15 miles from your house in 15 minutes. Nobody would ever put the things you have to have to live 15 miles away from you. It just wouldn't happen. So we can set ourselves free, or we can continue as slaves, but petroleum is the ruling stuff, and everything that happens on Earth today requires the permission of those who sell the petroleum little P.S. I'm going to hang on here. I thought I was done, but I realized as I listened back to it that I never told you the punchline of the story about the, about the uh, plane people down in, in Tennessee wh- where we went. Uh, we were visiting around with people. They knew why we were there. You know, They knew that we were, were basically uh, uh, horse-drawn technology tourists, just what we were. And we went to this guy's place, and he had a machine shop. And it was a decent machine shop. I mean, it wasn't anything special, but it was more than I've got. He had a, he had a drill press or a milling machine. He had a milling machine. He had a lathe. And he had a metal lathe, and he had a wood lathe. So he had these three machines in his wood shop or in his, in his little machine shop. And he could make pretty much what you needed to make. I mean, you got a, a lathe and a, and a milling machine. You can make stuff. <clears throat> and the whole thing was powered off two mules. And he'd taken an old uh, international tractor and he'd buried, he'd taken just the part, the back part, where the back wheels were. The tractor's coming to right about under the seat, it's called splitting the tractor. And he just took the back half and he buried one axle down in the ground until the, the differential, the middle of the tractor, was right at ground level. And he took the other wheel off and he put a long beam of wood i don't know how long maybe 20 feet something like that beam of wood on and bolted it to that axle and on the two ends of the beam of wood there were uh hitches for for mules and he hooked two mules up to that and he said get up and he went inside the building and the the tractor axle drove the differential which came out the side of the tractor and under a under a thing that he'd made a covered thing so the mules could walk over it and not worry about stepping into it, over to his building and there was a, a belt there a, a chain there like a timing chain in a car, a multi-link power transmission chain and, and it ran up and it ran another shaft that had a pulley for the chain and that shaft went in through the wall and the shaft ran down the wall. Behind the guy's machines, and he had uh, belt pulley arrangements at each one where he could pull a lever down and make that machine run, and the walking mules would power it. And the uh, the horsepower myth comes in here. You know, you buy these machines, and they've got four horsepower motors or five horsepower motors, and those motors aren't nearly as strong as two mules or two donkeys. So this guy had a complete machine shop. Any basement he didn't have any electricity he didn't have uh, uh any connection to the outside world's grids no electric grid, no water grid, no nothing. two mules in a machine shop so um we can do all of this, and the mules were working without any supervision you know we don't have somebody's not out here abusing these animals you know the animals live that what they do in their life is they walk around they walk around the pastures, they walk around a the barnyard they walk around. So you hook them to something and you say, okay, go, walk around. And they just walk around. And they're just walking. They're not running. Not, they, we're not talking some kind of fancy thing. They're just walking. And it's all done with gears. And, and there's plenty of power left over to run all these machines, to machine steel, to make metal parts for, for his old horse-drawn farm machinery that you can't buy parts for anymore. But it did, didn't matter because he could make them. And we can operate a complete and comfortable civilization with we can continue to get better and better at the things we do you know the fact that this this mower that i want to buy that i was talking about earlier this horse drawn mower it's an extremely well designed sickle mower they've they've made the they've made the sickle knife more efficient and they've uh, so that the you can cut grass with less energy input so it doesn't work the animals as hard. We can continue to do all these things and improve the speed factor is not necessary for the improvement. So we can continue to get better. We can make ourselves a good life. Uh, but it would take a lot of it would take a lot of thinking. We'd have to be smart and it would take a lot of planning it's not physically hard but it requires patience and it requires thought how to get these things done and surely we have that i mean isn't that what we're proud of isn't that our humanity isn't that our technology uh our technological superiority is not rooted in high speed it's rooted in high quality we just need to reevaluate thank you